So in quarter two of this year, uh, it was one of our better quarters we've ever had from a marketing and sales perspective. Uh, so I jumped on with our director of marketing, Drew, uh, and we recapped three big wins, uh, three things we found to tweak that are fairly simple that made a big difference this quarter and one big fail. Uh, so this is a quick, I don't know, 15, 20 minute interview uh, between us and hope you enjoy. So Q2, we had uh, one of, if not our best quarter ever in company history, and there were a handful of things as the director of marketing that you led uh, that worked really well. So give us a quick little bullet point list of those things, and then we'll talk in detail about each one. Yeah. Um, so bullet point style would be, we made some iterations to our, our booking form or our application questions, um, which had a big impact. Um, and then we um, installed a new content plan and we've got clarity on our best fit client. Those would be the top. So, uh, let's take those in order. Number one was uh, made some tweaks to our application form. Uh, we've talked about, I think we did a whole episode on that prior. So give us kind of the synopsis and if somebody wants to listen to the details of that, uh, they can go dive into that episode. So what did we do and what were the results of it? Yeah, um, so we basically changed our form um, to focus, optimize more on lead quality rather than like lead volume because we had a smaller sales team then. Um, they were struggling to get to every call. Um, and so almost like a V1 of a lead scoring system, that's what, what we wanted to install. Like here's, here's a really good lead based on their application questions. And the questions we had just didn't, didn't tell the sales guys that. So we changed it to the big, the biggest change we made was one question that asked, um, what do you feel like, you know, we, we can only work with so many clients per month, which is absolutely true. Um, what do you feel like separates your business from others that, you know, are applying and people are just writing, uh, just crazy, <laughs> like crazy stuff. Like I'm going to be your next, you know, case study, um, you know, things like that. So the, the sales guys had a lot more visibility and talking points, like going into the call of, this person's ready to go. This person's a really good fit for the program. Uh, so that the results of that were we went from like a 15% booking to SQL rate to uh, 20, 21% booking to SQL rate. So just better, better quality leads, basically. What led you to identifying that as a thing to optimize? Like how did you know that they even go there and do that? Well, um, I've worked with, you know, we don't, we don't currently use a, uh, CRM, but I've worked with lots of CRMs, which we use lead scoring. And that was a big thing for sales teams was like who to pay attention to and who to, who needs more nurturing, but who's ready to get on the phone now and, and talk. So that's, that was kind of what I was wanting to give the sales team because they had mentioned like, it's, it's really hard to know if I'm in a pinch, like who needs more nurturing and who's ready to go, like get on the phone right now. So that was kind of the, that was kind of what I saw in, in terms of like need, the change needed to be made it was like, Hey, how could these guys know what a good lead is before they get on the phone? So you found length of response to that question was I think one of the most uh, indicative things of them becoming a qualified lead was just how much time if they spent throw one word there, probably not super qualified. If they wrote 10 words, there, probably more qualified. Right. Yeah, exactly. We, and that was the biggest thing because we have some other questions on like, you know, what's your monthly revenue and, um, you know, how much are you willing to invest, you know, in the growth of your business? Those, we thought those kind of questions 
before we started the test would be the identifiers. But it ended up being that one question, <laughs> how much they wrote, like that's how much they wanted to work with us. Um, they kind of got people like, like further down the buying journey before they got on the phone. Like they're kind of convincing themselves before they, they even talk to us that they want to work with us. Yeah, interesting. All right, second optimization. So first one was optimizing the sales call booking form, the information they give us before they get on a call with us. Uh, the second optimization, remind me, what was it? A uh, new content plan. So walk me through, what was the result of installing that new content plan? And then what did it look like? And how was it different from the prior? Yeah, um, prior, we didn't really have a set plan. Like we would, you know, before I got here, we would do like big content pieces, you know, like the gravy mark makeover posts, like big, big stuff like that. It wasn't like a consistent flow of, um, on Mondays we do this, on Tuesdays we do this, Wednesdays, et cetera. So what we installed was um, business ideas from you on Monday um, to the list, and then case studies from clients that are having success on Wednesdays, and then educational email on Friday. And then in addition to that, we have tools, free tools that, that have their own lists as well. So based on the theme of the tool, we would send one email per week to those lists. And those lists beforehand had kind of just been um, lumped in with the newsletter. So now they have their own custom plan. The big, uh, the big result here was relationship with the audience. Like we saw click-through rates go up. We saw unsubscribes go down. Um, <clears throat> we saw raving fan responses, how we categorize it as those went up. Um, people saying this is the best. <laughs> I think one guy saying I'd print out Brian's emails and <laughs> so like just stuff like that like it was that was really the goal was let's not only track like how many MQLs or SQLs or book calls we're getting from our content or our newsletter like let's make it really really good content that um, like improve our relationship with them because at the end of the day our coaching program is what we're selling and that's all built on trust and so just providing that free value uh, you know, makes a big difference. Cool. And number three, oh, what was the, oh, so I guess the main result of that, we haven't quantified that in sales yet. Um, maybe hopefully this quarter we'll have a last content plan versus the, this content plan comparison, but two pieces of content, two ways to measure it is sales produced and relationship with list. Uh, so relationship, we one, we've started measuring it and that's improved <laughs> uh, and the content's better and the plan's more regular. Um, we went from one a week to three a week. Uh, and quality jumped at the same time. So that's been good. So what was the third optimization? Remind me of it. Uh, best fit client profile. Oh yeah. Walk me through that. I think we've done an episode on that as well. So feel free to go back maybe last week or week before about the details of that, but what is a best fit client profile and how's that helped us? Yeah. Uh, so basically before having a best fit client profile, we really didn't know, um, like the people who hire us that are like our superstars, what they have in common and how to get more of them. So that's basically what a best fit client profile is, is identifying those people who like couldn't live without your product and seeing what they have in common and then using that information like throughout your new content plan, throughout your booking application form, like all the stuff we do, it kind of like influences everything. Um, so the way we found that as we surveyed, it was, I think we ended up with like 54 responses. Um, we asked some of our coaches, like, hey, who are the superstars 
they gave us a list and then we we identified through a survey we sent out to all of our customers the other 35-ish um, with the superhuman question which is how, how disappointing would you be if our product was no longer available and we had i think 40 48 percent said very disappointed uh, which is a really good percentage and so we only listened to those people's responses who said they'd be very disappointed and throughout like parsing and coming up with like um, a jobs to be done statement which is a whole nother thing um, we basically we were able to figure out here's why our best people hire us here's what they were struggling with before here's what their ideal situation was like in their mind and then here's how their life is better now um, and that's really helped us like through all of our messaging have you been able to quantify the result of that any measurable that we can look to and say ooh, that moved because of that yeah it's that's kind of difficult <laughs> it's difficult to quantify uh i think we will be able to i think like one of the things we're talking about this quarter um you know with summer being slower and things like that is how do we use the best fit client profile like that that jobs to be done statement what they're struggling with to like you, how do we use it on a booking page or a landing page or whatever to get people to take action? And it's interesting, like the iterations we've gone through to see the messaging that actually um, hits them. Because we, we've gotten to a cycle two weeks ago where we were trying to use the best fit client uh, messaging, but we were actually using what they said after they joined the program mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than before they joined the program yeah. and we all like those conversion rates go down. Um, so that's, I think like, it's just all, it's all the learnings of like, what, what is it that they're struggling with? I think that's hey, what I did have a realization uh, about that and what you just shared of using language after the join versus before they join. That was interesting. It makes sense once you realize that's a thing, but at the time it was like, well, let's just use the exact words. Uh, for instance, for people listening, when, um, a client onboards with us, a coaching client, we, they first thing they do is fill out a very detailed assessment. And one of the questions we ask is, why did you join? That gives us lots of information to know where they're at psychologically and, and good marketing research as well. And one of the, the key phrases that our best fit clients say is I joined um, because I wanted a step-by-step -step plan. I wanted a marketing plan for you guys to make. So we were like, Oh, marketing plan. So let's just say marketing plan everywhere. We said marketing plan everywhere. And everybody, our bookings and people, number of people interested in hiring us went down drastically. But here's what they, here's what was on the old booking pages, Drew, and it's saying the same thing, just using different words. Like a lot of the old messaging and positioning we used was, we'll find two to three small hinges that swing big doors for you. Or we didn't say exactly like that, but two to three small marketing tweaks you can make that'll make a big difference. Typical clients see a 20% revenue growth in the first 60 days or something like that. That's yeah. same, two to three simple tweaks is a marketing plan, but people don't even have, like most of our best fit clients don't walk around saying, I need a marketing plan. They say that once we hire us because I've been on a call and we've given them that terminology and now they say that. But what, what was like non-company lingo was two to three small tweaks. Like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, and 20% revenue growth in 60 days. That sounds good. Like, I'll take that. Like, that makes sense. There's no like explanation needed. It makes me think of, uh, I was reading something about uh, SpaceX and Elon recently and he, um, what's the word? He banned using acronyms at SpaceX. They can use it for like 
industry standards, which is not a lot of stuff. And that's it. And I read that in his biography or somewhere recently. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. It didn't resonate at all. And then I went and read something on press release from NASA the other day. And there was like 20 acronyms in it and had no idea what they were talking about because they're just using all these acronyms everywhere. And it was, um, it was interesting because they get NASA and other like the European space agency and a lot of other people in that world get so caught up in company lingo that if you explained what, whatever the acronym would be means to me, I'm like, Oh, now it means something. But prior it meant absolutely nothing at all. So it's just like, I don't know what the PDA is or a whatever it is. Like I just, you know, it's just a thing, you know? Uh, so I think that's really interesting. That's a, just a random rabbit trail on that. But um, yeah, we do use marketing plan. We just don't say the word marketing plan. We said two to three small tweaks and we'll give you a plan. And that, that kind of stuff resonates with people who haven't like deep dove into exactly what we do uh, and how we help you in our coaching service. So anyway. yeah, I think that's the benefit too of doing this profile is to me, the most important thing to learn is what problem are you solving for your best fit client? Like what keeps them up at night? And for us, we found that that was like, they're super overwhelmed. They're really good at making whatever they make but they have no clue about marketing. There's like a thousand different directions they could go. And they just want somebody to tell them, I've done this before. Let me just show you. So like, we know that like that's concrete, but then like the messaging on the back of that is that's where the experimentation comes in. Like we use marketing plan. Like no one really knows what that means. except us. <laughs> so like, let's try something else. Um, so yeah. Here is the, this is our, statement of who our best fit client is uh we begin whole episode on how we came about with this and i would highly recommend we need to make a playbook out of this too for our clients to use because this is extremely clarifying so this is ours when i'm overwhelmed and this is written as a quote from the client when i'm overwhelmed and don't know what to focus on to grow my course and coaching business i want a personalized step-by-step plan from someone that i trust so that i can move forward with confidence that i'm on the right path that's actually interesting because in that statement it doesn't say marketing plan it says a personalized step-by-step plan from someone I trust to grow my business. Like I think anyone know, like our best fit client is typically some, and we have a, um, that's the statement and then right below that in part two, there's a persona and it details all a little bit more information. So our typical client is a coach or course creator type of person. And our best fit client is already doing um, two to $5,000 a month in revenue and wants to double, wants to scale that up to a million dollars a year over the next few years. Uh, we work with people all along the spectrum, but that's like sweet spot is there. Um, so it's just interesting. Uh, that's like personalized step-by-step plan from someone you trust. That actually might be an interesting headline to travel on, yep. on a booking page versus do you want a marketing plan? It's like, well, what exactly is that? Right. Um, but a personalized step-by-step plan from Brian and the team, well, that is like common language and just, that's not the acronym version. That's the like normal person language. Yeah. And that came from probably like 75% of responses being like, why did you decide to choose growth tools over another coaching program? And it was, I trusted Brian. And that all came from like years of content (laughs) that have been sent of like, I've done this before. I'm going to actually show you the process for free, you know, those kinds of things. Um, So that's the reason, of course, that like that influences the way that we produce content today. Um, but it's just interesting that like coaching is so trust driven, um, that, yeah, that probably is a really good thing to try on a booking page. <laughs> okay. Last question, a curveball. What's one thing we did last quarter that didn't work well, that like totally blew up and was a bomb. 
Oh, I got a lot of those. <laughs> Give us our best one. Oh man. I would say that, um, SMS was a pretty big disappointment. Um, so, so like, give a little background on that. Cause me and you know what we're talking about, but like we have a list and what did yeah. we do and what broke? Yeah. Every time someone signs up for one of our free tools, like we have their number, we have this huge list. I think it was like 40,000 people that we had phone numbers for and like never really done anything with them outside of like welcoming them to the tool. <clears throat> and so we started sending out like, let's do a test. Let's segment them into like 5,000 chunks and do a test and see if we can book calls. We booked calls like we, we booked 88 calls from SMS and we had nine SQLs, which is 10% booking to SQL rate. So that's like along the lines of what PPC would be. Um, and to give context, if we're doing that to our email list, our booking to SQL rate would typically be around 20% or so. Right. And then two closes out of those. So we, we made, you know, we made a return on, on the, time but i feel like um not having a plan in place was the main i think we could have probably tripled that if we had a plan in place it feels like a big opportunity for us because we have 40 or fifty thousand people that have given us their phone number um they sign up for a tool we send them an introduction text right away that's like hey thanks for joining we're going to send you stuff and then we don't send people stuff we've never had like any any uh semblance of a plan for that it's always been a thing we're going to do and we've never quite got to so when we looked at for the, the uh, marketing plan for the quarter, like we should at least like throw a bullet and see if it hits anything. And if, if it does, then we can fire a cannonball at it. And I feel like, like a bullet hits something out there in the distance somewhere, <laughs> but yeah. like having a, like just from personal experience, I don't really have any experience with SMS marketing. It's a totally different kind of channel. Um, so just the approach to how you would do content via text message is much more intimate very different people think about it totally different like how to do that well I still really have no idea nor do any founder marketing friends I have like really have much of an idea or a plan or I've done it ever so like I feel kind of personally lost there and like what would be a good plan <laughs> I don't know um, well so. I feel like the only reason it wasn't a total failure is it's made us like focus on it this quarter in terms mm -hmm. of like, coming up with a plan so we have a plan to move to a new SMS platform we have a plan to clean up the list and like re opt in people. So like we know if our list goes from 40 K to like 2 K, but those 2 K people like actually want to hear from us. Yeah. Like that's a win. Right. Uh, and then we can have that, that plan in place to like only keep interested people on that list. Um, I think like that, that could be a win for us this quarter coming off of like, you know, disappointment. I'm really interested. I've sent you a few emails about that new platform community. I think it's literally called community.com. It's a really interesting uh, way to do text messages because it basically, it doesn't, it, you'd have to go through the signup workflow. And if we go with, I, I kind of doubt we'll actually go with community based on how, what we've been talking about, but the, the, the method is kind of cool. It works. It isn't just like you enter your phone number and now you get text messages from this other phone number. You have to add somebody as a contact and it feels like I just met you and you just gave me your personal cell phone number, uh, which kind of frames up the type of content you would then send. It would be sent as a personal text message, not as like a broadcast message to people. Um, so it'd be interesting to take an approach of, you know, one of us, me, you, somebody on the team is sent like, is sending out text, a text message once a week about a thing like themed, like the, the newsletters that I find myself signing up for and reading regularly 
um, and these, there's always exceptions to this, um, are very themed. Like I get one from exploding topics every Tuesday and I look forward to it. And it's like three different Google search trends and a little bit of an explanation about them. It's like, that's the email every week. Uh, there's another one from a newsletter called investing city from a guy named Ryan Jenkins. I might have the last name wrong. Uh, anyway, once a week, he breaks down the business model of one publicly traded company in a really cool, unique way. That's all he sends. Um, I've always somewhat coveted that on our newsletter. We're a little more diverse than what we talk about. There are themed by day. I don't know how much our subscribers process that's happening because I don't think we've done a great job of telling them that and branding those emails and whatnot. But on Mondays, there's a new cool business opportunity, like a course or coaching opportunity that we outline that we see. On Wednesday, there's client wins. Like here's a cool case study to inspire you. And on Friday, there's a detailed how-to email on how to do something that's very in-depth and robust. Anyway, SMS would be an interesting path for theming in some way. Um, and that could look a lot of different ways. Like I've been looking back over a lot of our old content from years ago that worked really well. And we had two major themes and we never quite thought about it in this way, but like, it's very obvious. This is what was happening. What worked the best. Number one was big long form how to posts. And there's about 12 really good ones, like really, really good ones that are probably the best ever written on that topic or in the top two or three. And the second type are like DIY marketing hacks, like porn for marketers and actually somebody emailed me one day that said literally the subject line was this is porn for marketers and it was in a positive way like this is really good stuff like good candy and it would be something like um check out this uh marketing hack that sumo is using or check out this cool thing you can do in nerdy data like in a really in the weeds thing like a very tactical thing you could take away and the how-to stuff was really more like pillar level fairly thorough, complicated process broken down. Like you would pay a hundred bucks to have that as a course um, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, you could take like the DIY marketing hack thing and, but have the public framing of it be, this is something we tried this week and here's what happened. Like, and I would like, if you told me like, Hey Brian, uh, we run this, you know, multimillion dollar coaching and course company. And every week we do, this is all framing. So it doesn't always, it's very rarely this clean internally, but the external perception is, Every week, Growth Tools has one test they run, and they report back and tell you what happened, pass or fail. <laughs> Be like, okay, that sounds cool. I have a similar business, or I can extrapolate my business to theirs, and they're going to do some internet marketing te test that week and report back. Now, maybe internally, it's batched differently, and it's not quite that clean, and the tracking sheet isn't quite like that. None of that matters at all. But externally, what I sign up for an email list or a text message list where every week you just shared some one thing you tried the previous week and what happened with it. Like, man, that sounds kind of cool, actually. Like, I actually want to sign up for that list. And then if you receive that in a text message format, it's like, hey, Drew, uh, this Brian, uh, this week we tried um, this. Actually, I just wrote an email today that, we, that could be repurposed into an SMS of like, hey, last week we found this really cool email that Neville Medora wrote to promote his course and membership site, and we tried it. Um, here's the results of it. Check it out. <laughs> Literally, like, it would be like, and I think the copy and the framing of how you write that is so important because we would probably want to go back to our own text messages. Like when I text you or Sam or someone on the team or y'all text me where you found the cool thing and it needs to feel like that. And that framing is kind of hard to capture into like framework so that it always feels like that. It doesn't slip into broadcast mode, uh, which is so easy to do. Um, like Elisa was writing a, a new member of our team was writing a message to a community 
uh, and she sent us some copy to review and it felt like broadcast. Like it didn't feel like something I would just naturally share with someone. And that's like, that takes practice and nothing against at least at all. She's been here like three days. Uh, but like teaching that and, and adapt, even for us, like it's super easy to slip into broadcast mode and not like I'm writing a message to a friend right. because everyone's experiencing it like that. I'm experiencing our newsletter and Ryan and Neville's newsletters and all the ones I'm signed up for, like as Neville is sending a message to me, like, the, like that's what it should feel like. You happen to have this tool that allows you to send that to a hundred thousand people or 10,000 people or 10 people at one time, but I should experience it as an individual message. So that'd be an interesting take or something like that uh, would be an interesting take on SMS of how could we find some theme with it. And that could be based on each tool. Eventually it could be one big list where you just have one thing you share uh, or whatever. So I don't know, just randomly random tangent there brainstorming. No, I like that. I, that's funny. I almost brought up Elisa posting that, that copy and my feedback to her was like, just act like you're texting a friend. So I think, I think that's the reason why we're, we would be positioned to like do well with SMS, you yeah. know, actually having a plan because like, that's the way we talk anyway. Yeah. We're not like, like literally I sent you a message on base camp this morning. I was like, Hey, I got this idea. Check it out. <laughs> like, and maybe that's the text message. It, yeah. Maybe I need to have a little more because our relationship, we talk daily and we have a little bit more context. So somebody that you hear from once a week that signed up yesterday probably need a little bit more, but um, right. like informal and something people just legitimately look forward to getting because, and not everybody will. People will sign up and be like, man, this isn't for me. And I sign out, that's fine. But a best fit subscriber would get that and it would be the one thing they look forward to that week. Yeah. Um, like we know that works and we've done that in the past in different mediums. So it's probably not rocket science just to adapt the the exact framing of the SMS for an SMS list. Um, but we know what doesn't work is just send booking emails to a list that's been sitting there for two years and you haven't talked to them in that time period. <laughs> like, like, well, that elicits some strong responses from people and would no matter the medium, especially text message. Uh, so that's not a best, that's not a best practice, but anyway, that's good. Good bomb. I like sharing that too. So anything else to add? Any other wins or losses that we didn't cover that would be worth mentioning? Uh, one other thing, it'd be interesting to uh, have that as a KPI on your newsletter. Like how on a scale of like your top five newsletters, mm. like how much do you look forward to these emails? Yeah. <laughs> no. I've I noticed something uh, Hustle, the Hustle did. I've been signed up for their stuff. I even paid for their paid newsletter, Trends. And I think on both of them, they have a sentiment, kind of like Help Scout, like any ticketing system does at the bottom. Was this good service, medium service, bad service kind of thing? So you mm. can like quantitatively get and you wouldn't get large volumes on every email but if you send it out to 10,000 people you're going to get you know a couple dozen that tell you something so you can actually KPI it right. like how good was this email or just a general sentiment of like how much do you look forward to getting this newsletter every week and yep. you could benchmark that and then approve improve it and bonus off that and that kind of thing so that's I, I love that idea because yep. uh, I think we were having, we're going to go off on another tangent here, but this is worth it just internally. We were talking this morning about old content plan versus new content plan for sales generation. We were talking earlier about for a relationship and it's definitely moved the needle on relationship in a positive way. Sales is a little bit more muddy right now. But one thing you mentioned was, do we do too much educating? And I think that depends on what you see as the purpose of the newsletter. <laughs> Uh, and we probably haven't made that explicitly clear internally or externally. It's probably makes more sense internally just for functional sake, but I think the functional purpose of the newsletter isn't to produce cells. That's one end point of it. 
but it's to nurture relationship with people who haven't bought yet so that they will buy. Right. So the actual purpose of the newsletter isn't sales. It's to build relationship. Now, the way you would measure relationship, we have several metrics that would, that would show the, the relationship is improving or, or going the opposite way. And then the end point of that is, is sales generated from the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody that's been on the list for four years, four years ago, they weren't interested in buying or they weren't ready to buy. Now they're ready to buy. The newsletter did all of that heavy lifting. If the newsletter only consisted of sales pitches, they would have never made it four years because they would have got off the newsletter. So it's interesting to think about what are the mechanisms that convert sub- newsletter subscribers into customers and measuring those mechanisms. So one of the mechanisms would be a list to the house list. Uh, I mean, a webinar to the house list once a month. Okay, cool. Another mechanism would be a welcome offer to every new person that signs up. Okay, cool. Another mechanism might be every 30 days, everyone on the list is going to get a direct pitch to get on a call with us to make a plan for them. But we want to write that in a way that doesn't feel like we're selling them every 30 days. uh, So they have a new experience every 30 days. Like those would be the three mechanisms that we have currently to convert a subscriber into a, into a customer. And the other primary, those are like the easy things, the primary mechanism and the thing that a list does better than anything else is build a relationship with it. So the person that's been there for six months, a year, five years that signed up for the ad, but never bought, signed up for that, didn't go to the webinar, signed up for the affiliate promotion, but didn't buy. But they're like, well, there's enough interesting stuff here. Let me stick around. And they zoned in and out from time to time. And then at the right time, one of those three mechanisms hit the monthly webinar, the welcome offer, or the hard booking email, and that actually converted them. So I almost think of the newsletter as this like crock pot over here. And then there's three different ladles we dip in from time to time because like we're not a nonprofit. We don't just like write content because we love writing content. I actually do, and that's enjoyable for me. But like the whole point of it is to teach and build a relationship so that people will buy. And if you're not producing that, then you're just literally wasting your time with the whole thing. Right. Uh, but I do think it's, it's interesting to think about a crock pot. Uh, I've just literally invented that analogy and it might be a terrible analogy, but the, the crock pot with some ladles, like if you don't have some ladles, like you're just like a nonprofit and we're not interested in that. That's not our purpose, nor do I think it's the best vehicle to solve the problem we're trying to solve in. Um, so, and maybe there's another ladle needed. Maybe, maybe a ladle needs to be taken out. I don't know, but I do know from seven years of history, having amazing content that you focus on and strategize on is the best crock pot I've ever seen. And we've proven, I mean, our number one by a long shot sell source is that crock pot. <laughs> like people that have been on for multiple years. Now we actually want to salt. We actually want to have several different crock pots or a few more sources for the crock pot. Uh, and we're actively working on several different channels for that. But um, anyway, that's another way to think about the newsletter is that it's the crock. Pot. It's not that it's not a sales mechanism. It is a crock pot of relationship but we do have ladles that come in and pull people out occasionally uh, via right now, those three mechanisms, welcome offer, monthly webinar and direct booking email. Um, so I think the better we get at crock potting up and the more efficient we get with the ladles, the less holes we have in them, um, the less hardcore you have to be even in the sales mechanism. Yeah. Uh, Cause you, the crock pot's bigger. There's more people. There's way more of them at the yes line. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. That's probably the subject of a phone call. Just saying some of that stuff out loud. What do you think about that? We're right at time so we can. Yeah, I think, I think um, the, the point that I would like us to be at would be to have enough crock pots out there that like that can be the focus and not saying it hasn't been the focus of the yeah. newsletter, but that like 
we have to dip into that like less and less because sure. like we have other sources that are scalable. Um, cause when I, when I look at other people who have similar businesses, um, most of them like aren't using their lists. Like we use our lists. Like we have optimized the list. It has a ways to go, but it's been optimized out the wazoo. Like people like our goal is 50 clients a month. We're right about 40 right now. Um, and that's a fairly substantial business and it's almost all list based. And the way we build the list is we have partnerships primarily and a few other lead sources that we're working on scaling up right now. But most people doing this model are running cold Facebook traffic to a webinar, selling them and no crock pot at all. It's just like one ladle to one source and that's it. Right. Um, so we're actually working on building that so that the crock pot gets bigger and we have a more immediate sales as well. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's exactly, that's exactly yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, like we're almost going at it backwards or maybe <laughs> the right way. Yeah. But like, um, it, I think that like it can only improve our relationship with the list, like the more sources that we add. Um, so, yeah. And the three, yeah, just the three pillars that we have currently that, that we have and are building are partnerships with other influencers and companies in our space. And we do that via tools uh, paid advertising, which we've never done well at all and has never been a substantial source, but, um, currently is a decent source for new subscribers. Mm-hmm. And then third one is via organic search content. Uh, so we've hired an agency in the last two months to help us with organic search content and that's showing good signs. Uh, we're working on some active strategies now for ads and we've always been good at partnerships. We're evolving the strategy, the exact particulars there a little bit, but to me, like most companies in that, you know, three to $10 million range in this industry, primarily grew via Facebook ads and that's our number one channel by far. And they don't even have a second one. Um, we found going with partnerships and then ads and then content like organic content, um, that people find via Google is a pretty solid approach and optimizes chances of success. And that's what we coach clients with. So now we're standing up channel two and three. We're kind of doing those simultaneously, but, uh, we've agencyed one out to a really good agency that we like. Um, so that's helped us speed up a little bit. So that's risky too. I mean, if you build it is. on Facebook, like, <laughs> totally. I would much rather the foundation is much stronger. Uh, and I trust our foundation way more building it the way we've done versus one channel that could turn off tomorrow or your account could be banned or some algorithm changes or whatever. All right. Good, good share. Uh, good recap of Q2, three big wins, one big loss. And uh, we'll do this again for Q3. Cool. Right, brother. See ya. See ya.